Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Hey, welcome to Cross Creek. Good to see you guys. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are just glad you're here. If you're new, we are extra glad that you're here, so glad that we want to give you a free gift. The best way to get that, actually the only way to get that free gift, it's kind of bribery, is uh, the seat in front of you is, there's a little packet there, and in that packet is a red welcome card. You fill that out, fill that card out, some really easy information about yourself, and then after the service, you can go to the lobby and give the card to the person at the info table, and they will give you a free gift. Just our way of saying, hey, thanks for being here, and it's good to see you. Uh, it's good to be seen by you if you're online. Thanks for checking us out and uh, seeing what Cross Creek is all about. I dare you to watch this message all the way through to the end. You'll, you'll get that later. Hey, uh, before we get going, uh, today is actually a pretty momentous day. Today is the day that we are ending, and by the way, if this is your, if this is your first time, you came on the perfect day. We are ending our financial campaign today. So you totally lucked out. Um, but we, this is the last day of our Safe Spaces campaign. And so this campaign that we started, um, shoot, I don't even know how far back it went. It's longer than six months, I think. Uh, we said, hey, you know what? We're kind of getting more and more people, and our parking lot was not getting any bigger. In fact, it was kind of getting smaller. It's fallen apart, and there were potholes and water in the, in the middle of the winter, and it's dark and that type of thing. So we needed to redo the parking lot, and we needed to expand the parking lot, and that was going to cost us $10,000. And we said, well, we're a church. we don't even own this building, but we needed to kind of fix up the, the parking lot for us. And so we, we said, you know what? We're, the executive leadership team said, yeah, we, it's something we need. We need to raise $10,000. And then the team said, you know what? But that, that doesn't sound like Cross Creek, you know, just raising money for ourselves. We are, you know, we're, we're for Salem, we're not just for ourselves, we're, we're, we're for our neighbors. We're for our neighbors because God is for our neighbors. And so they said, you know what? Let's tack on another 5,000 and, and give all of that, give one-third of everything raised to the organization Every Child, which uh, works with foster kids and foster families. And so today is kind of our celebration day that uh, we were pretty darn close to our goal. We wanted to raise $15,000 and we raised $13,028. That's amazing. <laughs> And there, there were actually gifts, well, technically there were gifts from all over the world. We had a family from China donate, so there you go. It's, it's like a worldwide international project, guys. It's amazing. And so with that, as, as promised, one-third is $4,299.24. I think we're just going to round that up when we write the check. But $4,300 for every child. Isn't that great? Good job. So thank you to those of you who, who donated. Thank you to those who gave. Uh, we'll be getting in contact with every child here pretty soon, and we'll 
you know, we'll relay what happens there, but that's, that's a big, significant chunk of money that's really going to help a lot of the foster kids in this area, and right around the holiday time, so I think that's, I'm just proud of you guys. Good job. Give yourselves another hand. So there you go. Safe spaces. That was awesome. Who knows what we're going to do next. But, so you're safe because the financial campaign's over, but you're not safe because we're still in part three of our series on money. And these, kind of, these weren't planned to coincide, just so you know. You might think they were. They weren't. But we are in our, our last third part of our series, Take Charge. And as I was kind of putting together the notes for tonight, I just kind of, remember when you graduated middle school or high school, if you did, and uh, not all of us did, it's okay, and you, and you forked out the bucks for the yearbook, right, and you passed it around to your friends, and they always wrote the same thing, you know, what a wild, crazy ride it's been. It's kind of what I feel like we're doing today. What a wild, crazy ride this series has been. You know, last week, I wasn't even, I didn't even have the guts to show up and teach. So we actually, if you weren't here, we, we pre-recorded the message and then played it up on the screen, and I just felt so much safer doing that, talking about money. It was great. And then they said, you have to come back. And I said, shoot, well, let me take some stuff out of my notes. But I found its way back in. So it's, it's been, I think it's been a fun series. Well, no, fun's not the right word. It's been a challenging series for me, for me as well. I mean, everything I, I say, I have to actually like think through and, and all that. But what we saw in this series is that money isn't good, isn't bad. It's a tool. Right? Money is just a tool. We put all these connotations on money stuff, but really it is just a tool. It'll do what you tell it to do. And money can add purpose to your life, but it is not the purpose of life, right? It can add purpose to your life if you use it well and, and maybe use it to change some lives, but when it becomes your purpose in life, that really is the problem. And money really is a terrible master. If you, if you design your life around money and making money or getting what money can buy, it's it's a horrible life, but it's a terrible master, but it's an excellent servant. Like I said, it'll go wherever you tell it. It'll do whatever you tell it to do. And then for money to add purpose, because money can add purpose, but for money to add purpose, most of us need to change our priorities. Our usual priorities with money is live, right? Live, live on what we can, get what we want, maybe save if, there, if there's some left. And then if we're feeling really good, it's, you know, it's Christmas time, we'll give a little bit, right? But for money to really add purpose to our lives, we need to flip that. We need to change our priorities and give. Think about giving first, then saving, and then living off the rest. Kind of the word that we've been kind of hinting around, but we really haven't used, is generosity. Right? The key here is generosity. And we all agree that all these things are a good idea. At least, you know, I assume you agree that these are a good idea. I think they're a good idea. And really, we all want to be generous. There's nobody here who's like, man, when I watch that, I'm like, I'm so excited that it's Christmas time and that movie um, with Scrooge in it is going to be on because, man, I love that character. Like, I just relate to Scrooge. That guy had it right, you know? I don't, I mean, he got all screwed up at the end and he had some mental breakdown, but at the beginning, man, he hoarded all his money. He used it all for himself. He hated, man, I want to be like that when I grow up, Right? None of us say that. We want to be generous. We like the idea of being generous. Like, wouldn't it be great to be extravagantly generous? To be able to be extravagantly generous. Like, you know, pay off people's mortgages. Like, oh, you know, they're a pretty good neighbor. Oh, they owe that much? I'll just 
secretly pay it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that? Yeah. I'll give you my address later. But, or, you know, go, go, to the, go to the Salem Hospital and pay off all the hospital bills that people have. That would be amazing. Or uh, go to a school and pay off all the lunch debt. You know, we've heard of, there's, there's some stories of mega churches being able to do that and pay off lunch debt and stuff. That's something I think we might be looking into later. Uh, you know, being, using money to fund cures for diseases. That would be awesome. Uh, build hospitals, fund the arts, fund clean water projects all over the world. That would be amazing. It would be so awesome to be generous. Like, um, for, the, for you guys who are local, uh, you've heard of Benny? Right? Benny, who uh, he, he or she, we don't even know, sneaks into like Walmarts and that type of thing and puts $100 bills in packages of diapers and formula and that type of stuff. Has anybody here actually received a Benny? One, two, three, four, five. We got one when we had a baby. That's, there's somebody in Salem who goes around just hiding $100 bills for people, and it just says, Benny. That is awesome. Don't go buy all the diapers right now and find your... <laughs> somebody actually needs that. But as you grow older, you also start realizing that that old saying of it's better to give than receive is actually true, right? And by the way, Jesus is the one who said that, so that's actually pretty cool. It's better to give than to receive. And here's a fact that we all know why we, why we kind of want to be generous, because generous people are happy people. Generous people are happy people. You've never met somebody who's super generous, like, oh my gosh, I just hate life. Right? Oh, I, you know, I give away all my belongings, but I hate it. You don't find that. Generous people are happy people. They just enjoy life, and they, they have that, that joy of giving. And we all know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm not saying anything new. We all know it. We all want to be generous. So why aren't we? We want to be it. We know it's a good idea. We know it'll make us happy. So why aren't we generous? Well, I mean, let's, let's be real. First of all, being generous and being extravagantly generous, that's not very practical, is it, for most of us? I mean, I, you could say, I, I barely get by now. Like, I, I would love to be generous, but how, how could I afford that? I mean, I'm just, I'm just going paycheck to paycheck. How could I, like, give money away when I don't even have enough to, to save now? Um, you know, it's not practical. It doesn't seem very smart. Sure, I could give money away, but what about, like, what if the car breaks down? What if, what if the, you know, the, the pipes burst when it's, when it's freezing out and they weren't wrapped properly or whatever, right? What, wouldn't it be smarter to save that money, then maybe have to go into debt or something or use the credit card when, when something happens. Like, it's not very smart to just give away your money. You might need it. And I think for most of us, if you think about it, it really wouldn't, if we were generous with what we could give, it really wouldn't do that much, right? You know I mean? There are needs out there that are so big, like paying off hospital bills. That would be awesome. But I... I mean, how could just me do anything like that? It wouldn't, like me just throwing my money at it and having all these worries that now I don't have enough for, you know, emergencies, what good would that do? It might, it might maybe help a little bit, but then, then I'm going to need it, right? Then I'll be asking for money. And sure, if we had a little bit more, if we were wealthy, we would be generous. We would totally give. We would love it. And when, maybe when we have enough, you know, when, when 
things start going a little bit better, then maybe we will be generous, right? But here's the thing, and you knew I was getting here. See, generosity is determined by the willingness to give, not by the amount given. Generosity has nothing to do with how much we give. It has to do with what we're willing to give. Our willingness, our level of willingness determines our level of generosity. Someone who isn't generous when they don't have much is not going to be generous when they do have a lot. And $10 given by one person could actually be way more generous than $10,000 given by somebody else. It's all about our willingness to give, not the amount we give. It's about what we do with what we have now. That's what generosity is. It doesn't come, generosity doesn't come from, you know, being lucky enough to have more money than we need. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if, if I asked you, hey, you know, how much money would you need to, to be able to feel comfortable to be generous? The answer would be a little bit more than I have, right? No matter how much you make. And then if you get a raise a year after that, I'd say, well, how much now would it, would it you know, take for you to be generous? Well, just a little bit more. Right? I thought it was this much, but then, you know, well, the car payment and the house payment, and you don't want my kids to wear those shoes, do you? Right? Just, just a little bit more, and then, then I'll be generous. See, generosity doesn't happen through luck. Generosity is actually a choice, and it happens through purposeful management. Doesn't that just give you chills of excitement for me to go on? Generosity comes through purposeful management. It's not lucky. It's not, oh, well, he was born with all that. It's about choosing to purposely manage what we have. And Jesus told a parable that I think really helps put this all into perspective. It's, we, we find it recorded in the eyewitness account of Jesus' life that we call the book of Matthew or the gospel of Matthew. Matthew, uh, we, we find him uh, first in, in this story of Jesus. He kind of puts himself in the story, and he's a tax collector. He, you can go through all the history of Jewish tax collectors and how much they were hated and that type of stuff. But Matthew was a tax collector. Everybody hated him except Jesus. Jesus is walking by his booth one day, and he says, hey, Matthew, follow me. Not just like, you know, walk behind me and see what, but actually become one of my main guys. Become one of the guys that is going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Be one of the guys that I am trusting to say, help save humanity. And so Matthew's like, sweet deal. So he goes. And later on, as he's getting older, he's, he, his, his job is to basically tell people about Jesus. And as he's getting older, he's like, hey, I'm not going to be around forever. I need to write down what I saw Jesus do, what I saw Jesus say. And interesting enough, and he wrote what we call the book of Matthew. Interesting enough, in the book of Matthew, there's all these like facts and inside information about like money and finances and stuff. Why? Because he was a tax collector. Like we see his personality. It's pretty, check it. You should just read Matthew. It's fun. So what he recorded for us was one of Jesus' parables, a story with a point, a story with a lesson. And in all of Jesus' parables, there's always a character that represents God. There's always a character that represents us. And so as we go through this, try to figure out who's who. It won't be hard. So here's how the parable starts. This is Jesus talking. Again, it will be like, and you're like, well, what's it? Good. You guys are so quick. Those are good questions right off the bat. Okay? It is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. When, when heaven meets earth, when, when um, 
Jesus is king of somebody's life, that they start transforming, and they start loving people through God's love, through them. That's the kingdom of heaven, heaven meeting earth, people's lives being changed by Jesus. Again, it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. You guys got some bags of gold? So a bag of gold was about uh, 20 years wage. So however much you make in 20 years, multiply that by five. Anybody got that number? Just kidding. No, so to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, so he gives each, each servant a certain amount of money to manage, right? Bags of gold. Sounds fun. Like you just picture the cartoon bag of gold, right? Now, before we kind of go on, kind of a side note, kind of not. Whose money was it? The, the master's, right? The, the, the guy who entrusted his wealth to them. It's not the servant's money. Right? He's saying, here, here's my money. Do something with it while I'm gone, right? And so just kind of a side note, isn't it? Don't you feel like it's easier to be generous when it's not our money? Like, I would love to give all of your money away. It would be great. Yeah, like when I get to write the check for every child, that's going to be fun, and I'm giving away your money. It's awesome. It's easy to be generous when it's someone else's money. Just kind of keep that in the back of your head as we, as we go on with this. Okay, so Jesus continues the, the parable, and so he gives the first servant five bags, second servant two bags, and the, the last servant uh, one bag. And the guy with five he goes out, and he puts his money to work for him, right? He, he knows money is a servant, not a master. And he puts his money to work, and he gets five more. He doubles his master's money. Same thing with the guy who gets two bags. He goes out, and he, he doubles his money. He gets two more bags of gold. I don't know where they're buying these bags, but Matthew knew somewhere. So then the story goes on. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. It's a good investment. Whoops, I knocked off my microphone. Can't edit that out because we're live. <laughs> By the way, we, we only edited one thing. From, anyway, so. <laughs> um, he digs a hole and buries the money. Like, what's going through his mind at that point? Right? So I've got a bag of gold. I know what I'll do. I'll bury it. Buried, maybe he drew a map, right? And he put a little X where he buried the money, and he's like, I'm going to keep this safe for my master. I mean, maybe he's thinking, you know, it's, I, I could go do something with this money, but the other two, they got so much more money. It's easy for them, right? Maybe he sees what they're doing. Like, oh, wow, they're making a lot of money, but I only got one bag. Like, my master probably doesn't think much of me. I only get one bag. It's, I mean, you have to have money to make money, right? Right? It's so much easier for them. This isn't very much. I can't do much with this. And I, what, if, what if I tried to do something and, and I lost just the, the one bag? Like they've already doubled and I just, I've lost one bag? I, that's, that's not worth the risk. And so he buries it. Well, time goes by and the master comes home. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. 
Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. It's like the, the master knows this. He's just kind of showing off. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And that's the, it for that verse. And so the master says, nice work. Good job. You're amazing. You know, since, since I can trust you with, with five bags and you got another five bags, well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you even more. I'm going to give you greater responsibility. I'm going to give you more freedom as a servant. Like, you're, you are going to be able to, like, make your own money. And he says, you know, come on. Enjoy your master's happiness. Like, come on. Let's go do something great together. This is going to, you are the kind of guy I am looking for. Let's go change some lives, right? And he does the same thing with the second servant. The second servant does the same thing. And the master's like, yeah, that's awesome. Come enjoy your master's happiness. I am so glad you're my servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then he gets, you know, to the servant with, with one bag of gold. Verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. He's totally buttering him up here, right? I knew that you were a hard man. I knew that you were a jerk. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Does that sound like the master? The way he describes the master, right? Does that sound like the master that we were just talking about? The one who's like, wow, good job. You're amazing. Come, come enjoy life with me. Let's go celebrate. Let's go change. Does that sound like the same master? It doesn't, does it? This, this servant, for some reason, doesn't seem to know his master very well. Definitely doesn't seem to trust his master very much, right? He's, he's scared of him. He's, he's worried. He's like, I'm, I'm too scared to even do anything good with my money. And, and it goes on. So I was afraid. I was afraid of you and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. I was afraid. The task was too big for me to handle. I, 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 you know, you didn't give me enough, and you, you're, you're a jerk, by the way. So I, I didn't want to get in trouble, so I, I buried the money, but I didn't lose any. Like, it's all still here. You didn't lose anything by entrusting your money to me. Master's going to be thrilled, right? You didn't lose anything? Well, let's see. His master replied, you wicked. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew, so you assumed that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? That's what you think of me? Well, if that's the case, well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back in interest. He calls him wicked and lazy. But he didn't, he didn't, I mean, that's, like, if, you, if, if that's what you think I am, you should, you should have done something. You could have done something, anything. Just, like, put it in the bank. Get some interest. But you were, you were too afraid. I mean, doesn't that wicked and late? Doesn't that seem harsh? It's like he didn't, he didn't squander it. He didn't embezzle or anything or launder it or anything like that. He saved it. Kept it safe. Gave, he gave all of it back. It's not like he used it on fancy dinners or vacations to Rome or a brand new chariot with like the LX package and stuff, right? He could have. I mean, that's a lot. A bag of gold. That's, give me the new chariot, right? Here's my bag of gold. But he let his fear 
keep him from accomplishing the task his master had given him. His master expected him to make money off of that, not just hold it for him. He expected him to do something with it, but he let his worry talk him out of his purpose. He let the what-ifs paralyze him into being lazy and doing nothing. And maybe you've, you've caught on if you're you know, thinking through this. The same thing happens to us. Those excuses we talked about earlier, why we, aren't, we want to be generous, but we're not, right? Those excuses we talked about. You know, I'd be generous, but I, I barely have enough to get by now. I'd be generous, but you know, what if I need it? I've got to be smart here. You know, it won't make much of a difference, and you know, I'll just be worse off. And we, we let those get to us, and we end up doing nothing of value with the money we've been given. Now, all those excuses... What do all of those have in common? Fear. They all have fear in common. Fear of not having enough. Maybe fear of missing out. Fear, fear of not looking like everyone else. We let fear keep us from being who we really want to be. We want to have a life of purpose. We want to have a life of meaning. We want to be generous, but we let fear keep us from being that. Keep, let fear keep us from doing the great things God has ready for us to do, that he's planned for us to do. We let fear keep us from making just small investments that could have a huge impact. I mean, think about if you, if you had the opportunity to, to invest in Apple or Disney, right, 20 years ago. You're like, oh, no, you know, 10 bucks or 20 bucks. I'm, I'm, what if I need that later, right? But then you actually did invest it. I don't know how much money you'd have now, but it'd be more than $10. Right? You'd be like, oh, I'm so glad I took that step and invested. Not let fear get in the way. And it's, it's the same way. We could invest in eternity and changing lives forever, but often fear keeps us from doing it. And, I'm not done yet, and it's not just fear. This one you're going to love. It's selfishness. I wish we recorded this one. Fear and selfishness keep us from being generous. Fear and selfishness keep us from being generous. And there's a reason I keep saying us, because I'm with you in this. The servant did nothing with the master's money, as we said, and he gave back all he had been given. Now, if you are a Jesus follower, if you're not a Jesus follower, we are so glad you're here. We created this church for you. But for a second, I'm just going to talk to those people who claim that they are Jesus followers. If you are a Jesus follower, you know that everything you have has been given to you by your heavenly Father. Right? You know he is the giver of good gifts. He loves to give gifts. Everything we have is because he has given it to us. Yet we use our money like it's completely ours. And like we're doing God a favor when we use just a little bit of it to help a child that he loves. I mean, think, we are worse than the wicked and lazy servant. We're worse. I mean, like I said, how do you think the master would have responded if the servant, instead of hiding the money and saving it, had gone out and spent it all on himself? But that's exactly what we do. Oh, yeah, I would, I would totally be generous, but I needed new clothes, right? And I needed that coffee while I was shopping. I mean, I had to get up at 7.30. 
Yeah, I would be generous, but my kids, they've only been to Hawaii twice. That's not fair. I've never been to, anyway. I would be generous, but my, they have this, the new car and, and the watch thing and the, the TV. I, my kids see that. They feel like they've been left out. The poor babies. You can't, okay, yeah, I need a new car to get from A to B, but you can't expect me not to get the luxury package. I mean, like, I got to be in this thing. I got to be comfortable, right? I mean, what do you, sure, I could, I could live off of less, but what do you think I am, a servant? Oh. Now, again, I, I feel like I'm the worst because I just love to spend money on me, on food. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this shirt makes me look fat. I need new clothes. So I'm spending money to get fatter to have to buy new clothes because I don't like what I see in the mirror. But we're all that way in some way, right? But the truth is, we are managers, not owners. We are managers, not owners. And if you're not a Jesus follower, I think it's the same for you because you're really not an owner of your money. When, you, when you're gone, your money will still be here and somebody else will have it. So really, you're managing it for somebody. None of us are owners. We're temporary managers. And when we act like owners, we squander our opportunity to live a life of purpose. And it's worse. When we act like owners... We take on the stress of ownership without any power to do anything about it. We have that stress of, oh, I gotta do, I gotta, I gotta control it, but you can't. I mean, do the idea, does the idea of talking about finances give you just a sense of peace? Because you're feeling the stress of ownership, maybe. Talking about money, is that something you and your significant other just love to do? Probably not. Might that be because you think you have the weight of ownership on your shoulders? And you're really just a manager? But John, we have to live and provide for our families, don't we? John, are you saying we should never go on vacation because you were just on vacation last week? By the way, if you call that a vacation, you've never tried to sleep in the same room with all three of my kids. Anyway. John, are you saying we should wear rags and live in huts? And it doesn't sound that bad, but of course not. You guys are full of a lot of questions, too. Of course not. I am saying since we are managers, we need to take our job seriously. We need to pay attention to where our money is going. We got to know where the money goes. We'll move on. So how do we do that? How do we, be, how do we become good managers, wise managers? Good news and bad news. It's easy. It's simple. It's only a little annoying, but it's incredibly helpful even, and I think this idea that we're going to talk about, it's super helpful even if you're not a Jesus follower. 
And if you've been arguing with me this whole time, especially if you're online, you feel safe. You're not. But if you've been arguing with me this whole time, like, you know, I'm not afraid. I'm not selfish. It's just the reality. I don't have enough to be generous. This idea I'm going to present, you can do this and then prove me wrong and show it to me. And I'll say, you are the one person off the hook. Good job. I pro- well, we can do that. That'll be fun. But here's, here's a challenge. A two-month challenge. Last week, we were challenged to pick a percentage of our income and give it away right away for two months. Well, this, is, this kind of goes with that. It's a two-month challenge to document every purchase you make. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. Well, stop buying so much. But document every purchase you make. I'm not talking about a budget, right? That's, that's a whole different thing. Those are important. Those are good. And, well, my wife tells me they are, and I try to follow it. But it's not a budget. This is keeping track of what you spend. It's not hard, right? There's, there's plenty of apps you can get on your phone to track your spending, or you can just look at your bank statement. You're like, yeah, but I just use cards for everything. Perfect, right? You get that statement every month, don't you? You can just go through it and track everything you spend for two months. And then... Sit down and look at it. Sit down and look at your record of purchases. Maybe categorize some things. See where you spend your money. And then adjust if necessary. Adjust how you spend your money if you feel like it's necessary. What's that going to do, John? My gosh, stop asking me questions. But it's going to do a lot. Okay, first... It's going to take the mystery out of your finances. It'll give you a clear picture of your financial reality. It'll take the guesswork out of your finances. Like, well, maybe we can afford that, but I'm not sure, you know. It'll give you less stress. You know that question, where did our money go? I wish, I thought we had, now you'll know. You'll actually have an answer. Maybe you'll have some pointing you get to do. Don't do that. But maybe you'll point at yourself. And when you point, you get three fingers pointed back at you, right? Okay. But I make so much money, right? I make so much money a month, and I spent that much on coffee? And it's not even coffee. It's a milkshake. What's the point? (laughs) So that's the first thing it'll do. It'll give you a reality of your finances. Second, you'll be confronted, and it might feel like a confrontation. You'll be confronted with how much you actually spend on you. How much of your money you spend on you. But also, it will show you the reality of how much margin you actually could have to be the generous person you want to be. You'll actually get to see, okay, well, I I didn't need all that. I actually could be the generous person I want to be. I could take a step closer to being a generous person. It might take some minor sacrifices. It might take a little bit of work but you'll see you can do it. And Jesus followers, one more time. It really, all of this, this generosity really comes down to trust. Often we aren't generous because we don't trust that God will take care of us. We let the what-ifs get us, right? And I mentioned this this last week. If you're a Jesus follower, you are betting your entire eternity on what Jesus said right here. 
Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the only way to be saved. I'm the only way to have a perfect relationship with God now and forever. We are betting our entire eternity on what Jesus said there. We trust that. We base our entire relationship with God on the fact that Jesus told us God is our heavenly Father and loves us and cares for us and is for us. That's how we base our entire relationship on God, by trusting what Jesus said. So why wouldn't we trust him when he says this? Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Isn't that weird? It's so much easier to trust him with our eternity than with our money. To trust him with our kids, trust him with our relationships, than to trust him with our money. Maybe, maybe the money is scarier because, you know, you can actually see it and touch it. And we can see it going away. We don't know where it's going to come from. But money really is a, a tangible test of trust. Money is a tangible test of trust. You should write that down because I didn't have room to make it a note. Money is a tangible test of trust. And here's the interesting thing. Go back and read this passage, because I know you're dying to find the loopholes, right? Go back and read this passage about the, the, the managers and the bags of gold, and then see what comes after this parable. Because Jesus doesn't take a breath. In our, in our, in our Bibles, it kind of has a title and a break in the, in the verses and stuff, but Jesus tells this parable, and then in the next breath, kind of like concluding this parable, he tells the story of the sheep and the goats, and how at, when Jesus comes back, and it's the end of time, he's going to separate people, like shepherds separate sheep and goats, and the sheep are going to go with him for eternity, and the goats are not, and he goes to the sheep, and he says, hey, you know, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And the, and the people he's saying that to say, when, when did we see you do that? When did, we, when did we give you a drink of water when you were thirsty? He says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Tying in how we use our money for others is how we're using our money for him. Check that out. It's interesting. If you have the guts, check it out. There's, there's a challenge. See, if you can trust God with the money you can see, it's obvious that you can trust him with what you can't see. So trust him, because trusting God frees us to be generous. When you trust that God's totally taking care of you, you can trust him to be generous. Like I said, you want to be generous. I know you do. You're good people. Most of you are good people. You want to be generous. And God wants you to be generous, not because he wants your money. He doesn't need your money, but because being generous is good for you and it is good for others. He wants you to have a fulfilling, meaningful, purposeful life. And accepting our role as manager and choosing to manage well can bring peace and it can bring happiness. Generous people are happy people. And being generous can make money fun again. The first week, we talked about what do you want more of when, when, it's, when it's your time to be done with life. Do you want more stuff that people have to fight over? Or do you want more stories of lives being changed, of you having a purpose, of you changing lives through what God had given you? That can make money fun. More stuff or more stories. Your sacrifice might actually 
change your life. You're saying, well, I do need to go shopping, but I don't need to go to Starbucks. Sorry, Starbucks. If you're watching online, don't hit us. But I don't need the Starbucks. I'll just, I'll just shop, and maybe I'll take a water bottle. <laughs> Poor me. That sacrifice might actually change a life. Might change a life for eternity. You don't know what that small investment might do. God has a reason for making you, you, and giving you what you have. None of it is an accident. It's all on purpose. It's an investment he's made in order to bring his kingdom to the people he loves. So as we finish this up, this is, this is the big picture of the whole series that I want you to remember. If you're getting a tattoo on your chest of this series, which I think you should, this is it. Okay, just make it backwards so when you look in the mirror, you can read it. Your life and your possessions are God's investment. Your life is not an accident. He put you here on purpose for a purpose. Your life and your possessions, however much or however little you have, are God's investment. So manage them well. Purposely choose to manage them well. And enjoy the happiness of your master. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, you love us so much that you're willing to tell us to do hard things. You love us so much that you just lay it out. You don't, you don't mince words. You just say, be generous and you will be happy. So give us the courage to trust you. Give us the courage to be generous, to be who we want to be and who you've made us to be. Show us that we can trust you in the little ways and the big ways. Show us that there are no big problems or small problems for you. They're all things you expected. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Next week, we're going to start our Christmas series called Out of the Ordinary. I'm pretty excited for that because Christmas is amazing. And hope you guys have a great week. See you next week. <laughs>